right, good morning, everybody. We're uh, back live in my office, and hopefully uh, this morning you will uh, you will get something out of this message. I was telling Maria this morning, I was drinking my coffee and was sitting there in the living room, and um, this message came to me Tuesday um, as we were reading through the book of Luke that we're doing this month, uh, and, and I really, y'all probably noticed, I got pretty emotional there reading the part in Luke 1 about Mary and Elizabeth. And it's like the Lord just spoke right then. That's where we're supposed to be today. And so this week, as I've been studying, uh, I have found so much encouragement out of just three short verses out of Luke 1. And so that's where we're going to be today is in Luke 1, uh, verse 36 through 39. I tried to post it for you guys so you'd have a heads up and get turned there this morning before we get started. Uh, but it's just been a, it's been a, a good week of study, just a, a sweet, sweet piece uh, preparing for this. So I hope you all will um, will get something out of it. Um, and I, I was thinking this morning as I was at my office getting ready, um, it seems like there's been a lot more messages come, uh, and I don't know if it's ever other pastor or not, but it seems like there's been a lot more messages have come here lately on encouragement. And, and we have li- we have, we're living in a time right now, here uh, through all that we're going through, where it seems like we need to encourage one another. Uh, the church needs to encourage one another. We need to encourage one another and our families. Just we just need encouragement. I know it's getting uh, it's it can get depressing uh, what we're going through right now. I mean, nobody wants to be going live streaming their their messages. Nobody wants to do this, but. Uh, sometimes we have to just for everyone's health and safety. And so we need that encouragement. And uh, Lord knows the pastors have needed that encouragement this year as well. And, and we're getting it uh, thanks to having uh, good, godly, sound churches. It's been, it's been a blessing to be a part of that. Uh, so this morning we're going to be looking at encouragement again, but we're going to look at how Elizabeth helped encourage Mary uh, through her, her godly situation that she was going through. So let's pray. And we'll get into the, the meat of the thing this morning. Let's pray. Uh, Father, this morning as uh, we are opening up again uh, online, uh, we're, we're not in the presence of one another physically, Lord, but we're in your presence this morning. And Father, I pray that you would bless our time and our efforts again as uh, we try this one more time uh, to go through uh, a live stream. Lord, we just pray that you will honor it. Uh, know in our hearts the intentions are, are good. Uh, Lord, we want to keep everyone safe. We want to keep everyone healthy. Uh, Lord, and I pray that it not discourage not one person in our church knowing that we're trying, uh, Lord, to mind you and, and do your business here on earth and honor you in all that we do. So, Father, this morning I pray that you would honor this, this message this morning. Pray, I pray, Lord, that you would bless our time together. Uh, Father, I pray that you would bless this, um, this scripture that we're getting ready to read. Uh, may it be an encouragement to someone. And, Lord, I pray that we would find uh, strength and more knowledge through your word today as we look into it. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Now, I know that uh, uh, it's Christmas, and, and everybody thinks, well, um, he's probably going to be preaching Christmas messages from now until, until Christmas. More than likely not. Uh, I feel like this Lord would lay this on my heart, whether I, I read uh, through the book of Luke with you guys this month or not. Um, this is just one of those messages that has absolutely touched me this week. So what we're going to read here in just a moment is the fact that Mary got some absolutely mind-blowing news. 
Can you imagine being a, a virgin teenager that's engaged and then all of a sudden this angel comes down and speaks to you and tells you, hey Mary, you're pregnant, but you're also pregnant with God's son. Can you imagine being in that situation? So you knew, you know her mind was blown. You knew she was taken back. Uh, uh, you need to go back and read it. We just read it, I know, this week. But I love the fact that she calls herself the handmaid. She's a handmaid. Lord, and I, I love the way she refers to herself. She is humble. She's a very humble young lady. And I, and I love that about Mary. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about Mary, but we're going to look more at Elizabeth this morning and her encouragement. Sometimes we wonder, though, when we read this, why, why would this angel, why would this this being sent from heaven that has come down, why would this angel mention Elizabeth of all the people that this angel could have spoken about? Why Elizabeth? Well, let me tell you why. It's because Elizabeth is going through something similar to what Mary's going through. Now, I will say this. It wasn't a virgin pregnancy because we know that she was older and we know that she was married. So that th those two together pretty much takes away the fact that she would have been a virgin. But it was a miraculous pregnancy nonetheless. Mary's was a miraculous pregnancy because she had not known a man. She was not married and she was still a teenager. Elizabeth's was miraculous because uh, she was barren her whole life and been married, had no children whatsoever. And then God, uh, uh, you know, through God and, and by the angel speaking to them, she was pregnant. So it's miraculous what God has done in their lives. It was it, just like Mary. It was a situation where God had moved. God had moved through uh, Zacharias and through Elizabeth. He had moved through them. And now the Holy Spirit, now God himself is moving through Mary and Joseph. He is using Mary as a vessel to carry the child of God, to carry the Son of God, to carry Emmanuel, to carry Jesus, God is using her now. And he's also going to use Joseph to be an earthly father, to teach him traits, to teach him skills, to teach him how, how it is to, to love as a human would love, and to teach him how to take care of others. That's what fathers do. And so he is using Mary, and he is using Joseph, but he is also going to use Elizabeth for Mary to show Mary and teach Mary how to be an encouragement, to show her what it's like to go through something. Because remember now, at this point, we'll read it in a minute. I'll, I'm getting sidetracked, chasing, uh, ch uh, chasing squirrels right now. But you got to remember that Elizabeth has already been pregnant for six months, so she's got another three or four months to go before she gives birth. So she's already experienced uh, two trimesters now. And so now's a good time for her to start talking to, to Mary and telling her what's to come and what, what she can expect. But in that moment where Mary and Elizabeth spoke, Mary, it encouraged Mary to know that someone else was going through something similar. It's an encouragement. We have all got that same encouragement that we can give because we have all been through something that someone else is going through as well. And we can be an help to them. We can be, uh, we can be an inspiration to them. We can be a sounding board to them. We can be something that they've needed for a long time. 
That's what Elizabeth is to Mary. She's going to be a help. She's going to be an encouragement. So this morning we're going to look at Mary's first move after she has spoken to the angel. And we're going to look at her first move and how Elizabeth has come to encourage her. Now, if you got your Bibles open, I hope you do, put your topper down and, and let's read for just a moment. Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 36 through 39, the Bible says, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. Let's pray one more time. Father, this morning we just want to ask for blessings. God, we want to ask for encouragement. God, this morning we just want to ask for your presence to be felt in our homes and in our hearts. And God, I pray that you would uh, take the words that have been read from your word. And Lord, may it touch someone's heart this morning and be an encouragement to them. We love you and praise you. I your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to look at a couple things this morning. Verse 39, it, it, I love verse 39, because what verse 39 tells us right here, it says, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. I love that. Haste means excessive speed or urgency of movement or action. Hurry. Mary was in a hurry. Mary had just had the seed planted in her. And now she knows what's going on because of what the angel has told her. So without haste and in a hurry, she left and she went to Judah to, to talk to Elizabeth because the angel said, your cousin, your cousin Elizabeth is going through something similar. The Spirit of God has been upon her as well. And so Mary takes off and she goes in a hurry. That's the, the first thing that she does. She leaves in a hurry to go see Elizabeth. Elizabeth. She she does this because Elizabeth is going through something similar. And so she wants some pointers. She needs some advice. She needs a partner. She needs a buddy. She needs someone that she can rely on to talk to. And Elizabeth was able to encourage Mary in her circumstances because of what she had experienced six months prior. Almost the same thing. And she's not carrying Christ. She's carrying John. And I love that when, when they met right here. Let me read this for you real fast because it's hard to not read this. Um, it says, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. I absolutely love that. The babe leapt. He knew. John knew. So it was going to be years, maybe. Now, I don't know for sure, you know, if John and, and or how much John and Jesus uh, played together or grew up together. But John is the front runner. He's the trailblazer for Jesus. He is preparing the way for Jesus to come through. And so he, how excited the baby was, John, when he was in the presence of the anointed one, when he was in the presence of Jesus himself in the womb of Mary. He got excited and he leapt. Six months old, he's doing somersaults in, in his mama's belly. So he's excited. Elizabeth was excited because it says, uh, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Tell me how many times in your life that you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and you ain't been happy. I can't think of a time when the Holy Ghost ain't been upon me in my heart and I ain't had a smile on my face. So that right there tells me that whenever the Holy Ghost landed in her heart and, was, and filled her uh, up, that she was happy. 
She may have left too. I don't know. I've never seen a six-month pregnant woman do somersaults before, but she may have done the same thing. She may have been doing cartwheels out in the yard. But she was excited. She was happy. He was excited. He was happy because of what was taking place inside that house. Folks, they had to have church. I bet you they was having church that morning when they got together or that day when they got together. Mary needed advice. She needed help. And this tells me how much we need to have people in our lives to encourage us. We need Elizabeth in our lives. We need more than one Elizabeth in our lives. We need people in our lives that we can go to that, that have experienced different things that we, can, that we can go to and discuss things with. Mary doesn't immediately think in her heart and in her mind, well, I need to go talk to a priest. That never, I don't think it probably crossed her mind. Mary doesn't immediately think, well, I need to go talk to a scholar. No. Mary, in her mind, she doesn't immediately think, well, I need to go talk to my best friend. No. What it's telling us right here, it's that one person who might understand what she is going through that she wants to talk to is Mary. The one person. There's no one else alive that has experienced this. There's no one else around that God has touched and planted that seed the way he did. You have Elizabeth and you have Mary. So she has someone to go to. She has someone to talk to. And I want to look this morning at the power of encouragement in two things. The power of encouragement in good and the power of encouragement in bad things. The good things and the bad things. So the first thing is encouraging in the good things. Let's, let's start with encouragement when people are doing good things. And that sounds kind of uh, normal, don't it? When people are doing good things, we encourage them. Well, no, we don't. Believe it or not, when people are doing good things, they're typically not encouraged. When we see someone doing something good, what do we normally do? We elbow the person side of you and say, man, they're doing a good job. Look at what they're doing. Ain't that great? We're telling someone else, but we're not telling the person that's doing the good job. And so we need to be an encouragement by going to the person that's doing the good and being uh, a cheerleader for them. Be someone that's supporting them and let them know verbally, we support you. Good job in what you're doing. Keep up the good work. That a boy. They need to hear that. We need that encouragement in our lives. We rarely make it a point to tell the person that we appreciate what they do. And I'm probably one of the worst at that. I don't tell people enough that I appreciate what they do and, and where they're going and who they're doing it for, especially these missionaries. Folks, I'm telling you, we need to be encouraging. We might support missionaries financially through prayer, but, folks, it is good for them to get a phone call or a text or an email from you saying, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for going into the, the, the darkest places of the world and, and helping these people that are lost. Thank you for going into these prisons and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that are in prison. Thank you for going into our school systems and doing what you are doing in our school systems. We don't do that enough. The thought is centered on the fact that I notice. you got to notice it first. We go around with our blinders on all the time, and we don't see the good things that others are doing around us. But it's about what you notice. you got to see it. you got to notice what they're doing. I noticed that you put in that extra effort. I noticed that you cared just a little bit more than you had to. I noticed that you did that out of love. 
I could see it. I can see it in you. I noticed it. Let me give you some examples I wrote down here. I noticed that you were still cleaning up when everyone else was busy talking. That We see that all the time. All the time. I noticed that you're still working while everybody else is goofing off. I noticed that. Being specific. I noticed that you stopped to talk to that person that everybody else walked by. I noticed that. I noticed that you clearly had put extra effort in what you were sharing and what you were telling or that you that you poured your heart out while you was giving your testimony. I seen that. I noticed that. And here's a pointer I want to share with you, and I want you to remember this. Always remember this. Be specific. Be very specific. And and it's hard to do, but you need to do it. Be very specific. Saying thanks for all you do is great. And don't don't take me wrong. I, you know, telling somebody that they're doing a great job is, is it's okay. But being specific about the situation that they're doing a good job in, that means a lot more than anything else. It lets them know, and it shows them that you're paying attention, and it gives them something solid to think about. It's a good thing to be specific, and I'm just going to throw that out there for you. I'm not going to charge you extra for that this morning. Number two, encouragement or encouraging in the bad days or the bad things. Encouraging in the bad things. Now that's that's what we're where we're at right now. We're we're kind of in a bad year. We're in a bad situation right now in the world. And so we need that encouragement right now as we speak. We need that. Uh, knowing that others have, have struggled where where we're struggling, that's meaningful. It's extremely meaningful. It means so much to have someone say, You're not the only one. You know, y'all, we've all heard that, I'm sure. You're not the only one. And sometimes it helps. Sometimes it'll make you mad. You're not the only one. Well, I'm the only one going through this specific situation. Yeah, it's specific for you, but there's situations similar to it that others have been through. And so we need those people in our lives. Elizabeth. Not that this was a bad situation that Elizabeth's going through. It's actually a great situation that Elizabeth and Mary are both going through. But in Mary's heart, she has to think about what Joseph should have done to her. He should have put her away. He, technically, back in those days, she should have been brought before others and stoned to death. That's what she should have. So in her heart, I'm sure she is scared. In her heart, she knows what should be taking place with her. But that's in her heart. What's, what is going on right now is the fact that the Lord has blessed her, and the Lord has protected her. And like we read right here in verse 37, it says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. If God is in it, then you shouldn't be worrying about it. And like I tell people all the time, worry is a sin of not trusting. We cannot worry about things in this life because that means we're not trusting God. But we need to have someone that we can turn to when they say you're not alone. Maybe we need someone to say, yes, I felt like the world was ending too. I felt like the world was falling apart. I felt like the world was bearing down on my shoulders at that time. Maybe we need someone to say, no, you're, you're not going crazy. Maybe we just need to hear that. No, you're not going crazy. Maybe we need someone to say, yes, it is the worst pain that I've ever felt in my life. We need to hear that from people. Maybe we need someone to say, no, I... I 
I'm pretty sure it didn't last forever because here I am and I'm talking to you. It didn't last forever. It's nice to know how much better we feel after a conversation with someone that tells us you're not the only one. It gives you a peace knowing, man, I'm glad I'm not the only one. And now you've related with someone. You have someone that you can talk to. You have an Elizabeth that you can go to and that you can vent to and that you can discuss the situation with. You've got someone, and you know that you're not the only one. My favorite phrase to use when I talk to someone going through a situation is this. If it's a situation that I've gone through myself, it's I may not be walking in your shoes, but I've been down that path. Because we don't all wear the same shoes. We don't all have the exact same situation, but it is a path that, we can all, that we've all been through. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe you've lost uh, a son or a daughter, and, and now you can go to someone that's just lost a son or a daughter, and you can say, this is, what I, this is what we went through. This is how we felt, and this is what helped us get through it. Maybe it's the loss of a, lo- a, loss of a loved one, and you can say, this is what helped us get through it so we need those people we all walk down those paths but we are all wearing different shoes it's weird that that should have such an impact but it does it's such a relief when you talk to someone that's been through something like that our situation if you think about it it's the exact same after the conversation as it was before the conversation there hasn't been some miraculous turn of events taking place nobody stopped by and hit the easy button some of y'all get that. Nobody hit the easy button and turned it around. You know, there, there hasn't been an answer dropped out of the heavens that's been gift-wrapped and put a bow on it and says that, that it's going to be okay. That's, that's not what happens. We just feel better because we just discussed it with someone that has an idea of what we're going through. It's, a, it's, it's meaningful to know that we are not alone and that we're not the only one. We know we're not alone, number one, because we know the Lord's with us. We know that he is by our side. We know that he is, he is in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We know that he's there. But physically, we also know that there's someone there that can talk to, that we can talk to. There's physically someone there that can hear us. There's physically someone there that can wrap their arms around us, give us a big old hug, and say, I'm here for you. If you ever need to talk, I'm here for you. It's so encouraging to know that we have somebody there to talk to. What encouragement does it unburdens people. Now, we're going to someone burdened down with the situation, but being an encouragement unburdens people. The person who feels like their prayer, their prayers are only they're only hitting the ceiling. You ever been there where you feel like your prayers ain't getting past the ceiling? Lord, I can't. I I just don't feel like they're making it out the chimney. Lord, I don't even think they've made it through the gates of heaven. Lord, have they even made it to the throne yet? We feel like that sometimes. That person who thinks everyone else's kids are, are, are behaving better than theirs, the ones that feel down and depressed because they feel like their youngins are acting up all the time, the person who can't get anything out of trying to read the Bible, you know those people, I just don't get it. Well, yeah, I can crack, I promise you this, this month we're reading the book of Luke. I promise you this month we're going to read a chapter that ain't going to do nothing for you. I promise you that because it doesn't, uh, it's not you're not going through a situation where it would apply to you at that time. That's that's the way the Bible works. You read the Bible 
Not everything's going to apply to your situation at that present time, but at some point in your life it will. And we have people that we know that say, I've tried to read the Bible, but it's just not doing anything for me. I'm not getting anything out of it. Well, keep reading. You will. Keep flipping those chapters. Keep reading. Keep with it. Keep on keeping on with what you're doing. Eventually, you're going to come across something that's going to speak to you. Because this is a living Bible, it's going to speak to you at some point and give you that encouragement. And then once you get it, it's just a little taste of it. When you get just a little taste of what it can do for you, you're going to keep doing it. You're going to keep reading. You're going to keep wanting to learn more and, and keep studying and keep hearing him speak to you. Now, there are times when the worst experiences in this life is where, where this encouragement is needed. And these worst experiences in life are, are what a lot of people will call the dark night of soul. I think, I don't know for a fact, and I'm, I need to do a little research on this, but if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's an old Catholic term that they call the dark night of the soul. But what I want you to understand is this. We've all been there. The dark night of the soul, it's a time that Christians have fell at some point in their life, and it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a point where we feel like the presence of God just absolutely disappears. It's a, it's a time in our life where we feel like I'm praying, I don't hear God. I'm reading, I don't feel God. I'm at church, I don't feel God. I'm singing these hymns, I don't feel God. We've probably all experienced that at least once in our life where we've, we've been through something and we just don't feel his presence. We feel like God has abandoned us. He's not there anymore. And they call that the dark night of the soul. It's in such a time as this that there is a huge comfort in knowing that you are not alone. Well, number one, again, I said a while ago, we know we're not, technically we're not alone because Jesus, he told us through the Holy Spirit, he's not going to leave us. And, and number two, it's good knowing that we've got friends and family we can turn to when we're going through these dark times and these dark situations in our life when we feel like there is no one there. God or family or friend is there. And it's a, it's a dark, really dark place in our lives. But it's good to know that we do have someone to turn to. Now, this is a major reason we need to, we need church family. You didn't think I'd get there, did you? But here we are. We need church family. Folks, we have to have church family. There, there's no way around it. We have to have one another. And I know right now during this time of, of this pandemic, this, this time of COVID that's floating around here, we're thankful for this ability that we have right now, right what you're looking at right now, live stream. We're thankful. I've not found a person yet that said I'm not thankful for the opportunity to be able to continue to have church through all of this. And here we are. I'm thankful for it. Now, it's not the best. I know. I miss y'all really bad. And I'd rather be standing behind the pulpit right now and seeing you guys physically because I can't see nothing right now. Y'all can see me, but I can't see you. I miss that. I miss being able to see you guys. It, this, this time of being connected with our church, it, it, it's, it's different. It, it, it's connected our church in ways that would have otherwise probably never happened had we, uh, while we've been physically apart. We were having to think outside the box. But there's a lot of question about what happens after this pandemic is over. There's questions in our church. But there's questions in other churches as well, probably every church out there, 
will people think that watching online is enough? That's what I'm afraid of. Are people going to get too comfortable in their pajamas and just say, well, that's good enough? They're valid questions that we've got to ponder on. We've got to think about. During this time, it's easy to see online viewing as the best instead of a Band-Aid. It is just a Band-Aid. It's just a quick fix until we can get back to normal. It's a crucial question to ask because we need church family. We have to have church family. We can't keep doing this online. We're going we're gonna to lose the love. We're going to lose the fellowship. We've already lost the fellowship. We're going to lose the love. We're going we're gonna to lose one another. We're going to lose that intense desire that we have as Christians to be assembled together with one another in the presence of God. Guys, I'm telling you what right now, it's absolutely breaking my heart that we can't have communion. It's breaking my heart that we can't line up at the altar and just have a big old time of prayer. It's breaking my heart right now that when once we're done praying, that we can't snot and shake hands and wipe tears and hug one another. It's been almost a year, and I don't like it one bit. I don't want us to get comfortable. The Lord doesn't want us to get comfortable with online viewings, online messages like this. He wants us together. He wants us assembled back together. Not just as a church that we say we attend when we really just show up there once a month or twice a year. That's, that's not what we're talking about there. Being a part of a church family means having meaningful relationships. That's part of the church. That's the beautiful thing about a church family. It's a meaningful relationship. It's because we know one another. And that's why I've always told people, I love small churches. I love pastoring a small church, but I love small churches in general because it's personal. We make it personal. I know every single church member, and every church member knows me. It's personal. I know what's going on. You know what's going on. And I've talked about it before. Uh, one of the first revivals I ever done was at my former pastor's church, Kenneth Bryant, and went to Wilkie's Grove down in Hickory. And they had a congregation of over 400 people. And after the first or second night there, I asked Preacher Kenneth, I said, Preacher Kenneth, do you know these people? He said, no, I don't. He doesn't know his congregation. Not personal. I love for it to be personal. I love knowing the members of the church and the church members knowing me and my family as well. It's a personal relationship that we have. Being a part of a church family means having people who love us. They love us, and we love them back, and we share life together. We share these experiences together. I love the fact that when these children are born into the church, that we get to go experience that with them. I love that, but I also love the fact that when someone loses a loved one inside our church, we get to share that experience with them as well. We get to show our love back to them and comfort them. And, and the times in between, the birth and the death, when we see people in our churches that are struggling with a health concern, struggling financially, struggling spiritually, struggling with life decisions in general, I love the fact that here we are and we're here to help. When you have a church family 
that's personal. And you know what's happened to them in the past. You can go to them and say, I know you went through this. How did you deal with it? And then that person becomes an encouragement to you. We need that in our churches. We've lost it in 2020. It's not there anymore. 2021 is not going to be another 2020. 2021 is going to be a different year. It's going to be a better year. It's going to be, I hope, to, I'd love to say it's going to be the best year. The best year, I guess, would be the rapture, and that would be the best. That'd be great. The Lord may surprise us and not even get us to 2021. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be great, too. But we need our church families, people who have our back. We have each other's backs. People who, who we trust to share our burdens and struggles with. To get back to the main point, finally, I'm sorry, I, I will catch rabbits all day long. We need encouragement, and that's what church families do. One way that that happens is through a church family that we are close to. We've got to be close. We've got to be close to one another, though. Uh, the person who calls to check on you after surgery, I love that. I try. I try awful hard to make sure I keep tabs on everybody. And since I can't visit you in the hospital, I try to at least call you and pester you to death. That's, I love that. I love making it personal. The person that, that thanks us for serving and makes us feel that we're noticed as part of that family, not me personally, but those that do things inside our church when we call them out and say, thank you for what you're doing. Making it personal. The person who stops us to ask us the problems that we've been having and making sure that we're, everything's doing okay, everyone's doing okay and that your situation is okay. The church is uniquely situated to pour into this lonely world this dark world, but we're uniquely situated. There's a lot of churches, so we're situated all over the map. But it's so that we can pour into this world that needs Jesus right now. The numbers, I was doing a little research this week on this, the numbers are growing regarding those around who are struggling emotionally. This is a bad year. Suicide rates are up. Divorce rates are up. Just this year alone. People are, are suffering. Emotionally, they're suffering. The numbers of those dealing with depression right now, it's growing. And it's sad. And it gets worse. We're at Christmas. This is the time of year that depression and suicide increase. So you add a pandemic on top of that where people have lost their job, losing money, lost their family, and now you're going to throw Christmas in on top of it. We're getting ready to see a huge spike, not in just COVID cases, but we're going to see a huge spike in depression and suicides and it's unfortunate but we need the church to step in to help prevent that those the number of people who feel isolated right now it's growing yeah they want us to isolate they want us to stay away from each other but that's hurting us and let me tell you right now i ain't gonna get on a soapbox with this but we it's killing our children it is absolutely destroying our children right now they don't have friends to go to they don't have a school to go to they got no one they can't be kids right now because of this whole situation. They need to be, they got to grow. And how can you grow when you ain't around nobody? How can you grow when you're teaching yourself math and English and reading? You can't grow. I'm not going to harp on that. I'm sorry. The number of those who say that they don't have any real friends right now is growing. It is. Because they're not physically there with them anymore. Because they feel like they're losing their friends. The number of people being medicated for their emotional problems is growing right now. That's a fact. People are on medication because they feel discouraged right now. They feel lonely. They feel suicidal. They're depressed. And so, oh, here's some more meds. Just take these. 
That's not the answer. You'll never find the answer in the pill bottle. What they need, number one, is Jesus. And what they need, number two, is a strong church family to turn to. They need the church family. But it can't be strangers sitting beside strangers for an hour a week than going on their merry way. It don't. You can't do that. We've got to know each other. We've got to have a friendship. We've got to make it personal. We've got to know one another before we can turn to one another and ask for encouragement the way that Mary asked Elizabeth for encouragement and the way that Elizabeth was able to encourage Mary. It has to be far more than, than that. It has to be real family. It has to be deep, really deep relationship. It's got to be, we'll call this a genuine friendship. I mean a real friendship. Not one of those fake ones that you put on because we do this a lot at church. Not one of those, hey, how are you doing? I hope the kids and the wife and everybody's doing good. And then you walk on. It's got to be a genuine friendship. You've got to genuinely, genuinely mean it when you say, how are you doing? How is your family? How is life? And then you sit down on that front pew and you talk to them. You've got to make it real and genuine. It has to be the church as Jesus envisioned it. It has to be the way that he envisioned it. Not the way we want it to be but the way that he wants it to be and the way that it needs to be. He knew, Jesus himself, he knew that we would need encouragement along the way. He knew it. That's another reason why he instituted the church is for encouragement, for encouragement for one another. We need to do this for our own sake, for our own health, for our own emotional health and our own spiritual health and physical health. We need to be able to do this We've got to be able to be an encouragement to one another, and we've got to do it through a personal relationship with our church members. We have to. We've got to be that friend. But also that for the struggling, we've got to do it for our own sake, but also for the struggling world looking for encouragement and looking for hope in this dark world that we're living in. We've got to do it for the world. We're doing it in Jesus' name. But we've got to do it for a world, a sin-sick, lost world. We've got to be an encouragement to them. And then for this community that we live in, we've got to do it for them. And for these homes that we're living in, we've got to do it for them. You youngins, for the schools that you're going to, you've got to do it for them. For you adults working, you've got to do it for your workplace. We've got to do it. We've got to be that encouragement. But we've got to have a genuine friendship with those around us. And we've got to mean what we say. When we say I love you or I care about what's going on, I'm genuinely concerned about your situation. We've got to mean it. And I, I know that's tough. But we really do. We've got, to, we've got to show that Christian love to those that are around us and be that encouragement to those that are struggling. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we close out uh, this message, Lord, as we close out this time, in your word, as we close out this time, Lord, as it may feel as though we're alone, we're not. You're in our presence. You're in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you'd fill up our homes this morning. God, as, as those are, that are there, they're gathered around their devices or whatever, and they're listening to this. Lord, I pray that what has taken place with Elizabeth and Mary can take place inside our churches. Where there be one that may be struggling in our church, may they turn to the other that's been through that situation. 
may we be the person to step up and say, you're not alone. May we be that person that says, I'm not in your shoes, but I've been down that path. May we be that encouraging person that someone needs to speak to today. And Lord, I pray that we would do that. We would turn to that person that sits beside of us in the pews and know that they are a friend, they are a brother, they are a sister, and know that they are someone that genuinely cares and they are someone that we can turn to in a time of need. Lord, you have blessed Chestnut Dale with that kind of people. <laughs> and I'm thankful. churches like that are few and far between but Lord you've blessed that little church with some faithful and godly people that we can call friends Lord we thank you for that I pray, Lord God, that you would bless them for that. And God, my prayer this morning is that they never lose that. You've been mighty good. <laughs> You've been mighty faithful. You've been mighty loving this year for all of us. We don't deserve this grace. We don't deserve your mercy. But out of pure agape love you show it to us every single day and Lord I wish I could be more specific when I say thank you don't know where to start but thank you and Lord I pray this morning that you would just continue to grow us and bless us and keep us and use us and inspire us and encourage us in all that we do. God, we love you. We just love you. In his name we pray. Amen. All right, church, I'll be back here uh, tomorrow morning. We'll be in uh, Luke chapter 7. We're going to keep on reading. Sorry, I wish I could imitate Morgan Freeman or somebody with a better voice, but I can't do it, so you're just going to have to listen to this old nasally thing. But we'll be back here tomorrow morning. I love you all. I miss you. See you in about two weeks. <laughs>